Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi everyone, this is Rohit from Life and Mastery. Today I'm excited to have Spandana Naka, who's uh, the CEO of Sleek. Uh, she was earlier the VD uh, at uh, Google and she's done a master's in engineering from Stanford. Uh, Sleek is backed by Taiwan investors, including Lightspeed Range Partners, and they recently got into StarTex, and then we started, and the team have, uh, have uh, alumni from Google and Stanford engineers. And Sleek is reinventing the way we wait in lines. Uh, welcome to the show, uh, Spandana. Thanks, Rohit. Excited to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Awesome. So, you know, uh, you have a very interesting uh, story and journey because uh, you've, you've lived part of your life in India, uh, UAE, and then you moved to US and uh, you've, uh, you know, worked with Google, uh, done your, done your uh, you know, engineering in Stanford, and now you want to build Sleek. So why did you want to uh, get into this crazy world of startups and entrepreneurship? Sure. I would say like sort of followed the immigrant's journey. Like I uh, worked, uh, like studied at uh, good institutions and uh, worked in different companies. But uh, I would say like uh, the reason why I wanted to join entrepreneurship or like get into this world was uh, my family comes from a like a family of entrepreneurs. Like uh, my grandfather and great grandfather, they had uh, pioneered the plywood industry in in India wow. back in the day. And I think uh, that that uh, like uh, that always lived within me. Like I always wanted to do something of my own. And uh, coming up with different ideas, looking at different business markets, uh, that that always was a thing. And I, I got the good fortune of working at Google Play. Uh, it, it's, it's a marketplace of different apps, like every app coming out every other week and uh, new ideas. So, so I got a good exposure into like how a business could be led, how a business could be scaled. And uh, given uh, the digital world we live in, uh, technology is at everyone's fingertips. So just, just being exposed to different ideas. And finally, I, I landed upon one, which I thought could be my own. Got it. And, you know, I got, did, I got to know about Sleek from, from Peter Livingstone, who runs an unpopular VC uh, syndicate. And, uh, uh, and, you know, he's also been on the show before. I'm a big fan of his thesis. But, you know, what made you think about building this product? Because I think what Sleek does is it, it helps you, gives you the option to, uh, to skip ahead in the line. And, you know, uh, it's a very innovative uh, uh, product, but, but do you think it's somewhere in the, uh, in the fintech space or how, how would you, you know, categorize a product like Sleek? Sure. So I would say like uh, the, the idea or like uh, how we started about uh, it was a personal pain. I, I, I feel like every other person has experienced this, like not waiting, wanting to wait in lines. That's something everyone struggles with. And uh, I experienced this firsthand uh, by myself, like when, when I was waiting at a concert and uh, eventually my car didn't work. And I was like, okay, like there has to be a better way to do this especially for like centuries. We, we still wait in the line the same way we used to in the past. Uh, our technology or our product, I would say, is, is in the intersection of a couple of different realms. Uh, one realm is, is wait time, like predicting down to minute ETA at, at any given place, uh, absorbing the different sources of data, be it point of sale, be it uh, like uh, using sensors to uh, look at location data or like even uh, uh, leveraging security hardware, like security cameras and such. 
we could detect uh, the number of people or smartphones that are in a line, uh, if people are leaving or at what pace this line is moving and such. So, so that's one realm. The other realm is dynamic pricing. Uh, airlines or vacations or like even Amazon does dynamic pricing based on demand. And what we've applied is both of these two together. So we are solving waiting for lines by applying dynamic uh, pricing. And uh, we would say like we fit into the place where like Disney's FastPass or Clear, like they are providing you a way to like skip ahead or get a VIP experience by paying a subscription. We've unpacked that and made dynamic. So, so that's how we are solving this. And I would say like it's a combination of different uh, industries or, or how different people have categorized us. I think some of them have said we are in the fintech space because we integrate with POS. But, but our core technology, as I mentioned, is, is within these two spheres. And, and uh, there's no app download and no sign up has to be done and no hardware required. Uh, for anybody to you know skip the line yes that's right uh, so uh, we offer our product as an api or as an independent solution and uh, depending upon the customer if if someone already has a mobile app we integrate within their app and and provide a, uh, an accurate wait time and dynamic pricing but uh, if if someone does not have a solution at hand uh, we have our very simple solution which is as seamless or sleek, so as to say. And uh, there is no app download needed. There is no uh, sign up needed. And uh, with, with no hardware for the customer, you could simply place an order in as little as three steps. Uh, you look at the vendors around you, you look at their wait times, decide what you want, look at the fee and then pay for it and uh, you're good to go. We text you when, when uh, your turn is up. Interesting. And, and, and do you think, uh, you know, since, uh, you know, I'm, I'm from India, you, you, you've lived in India, do you think that sort of experience in India, where, you know, uh, uh, if you take out Bombay, most of the cities, uh, you know, not really sure if, uh, you know, people actually follow the, the, the lines or not, but, but do you think such sort of products can work outside uh, US or would you plan to, you know, launch it outside, US, outside of US, especially in the Asian markets? Sure, I would say like uh, it, it all, uh, like I mean our, our business model is pretty much from the surge pricing. Uh, if businesses make money, we make money. That's, that's our pricing model. And uh, what I've, uh, we've, we've learned is different demographies have different, uh, I would say like patience levels. Uh, in fact, like I was chatting with one of uh, like uh, ex McKinsey consultant and he was talking about how they were trying to test how long a customer is willing to wait on a call, call waiting, without a server uh, giving them a, an indication of, of when the customer service representative would be up. So uh, turns out in Phoenix, people are willing to wait for 43 minutes, but in New York, it was 21 seconds. So uh, it, it varies a lot from where you are, uh, what ethnicity or which geography, or like uh, if, if you are from a city or or like a suburb. So, so there's a lot of different factors which go into how much someone is willing to wait. Uh, I would say lines are a universal problem though. Uh, nobody says, uh, I actually would, would not mind waiting 10 more minutes or like 20 more minutes, I, I don't care. But uh, I would say the, the uh, like ability to pay or like willingness to pay varies from different geographies. And uh, one thing COVID has taught us is uh, 
it's it's not just about waiting in lines and not enjoying it but it's not safe so uh given uh, external factors like that i i could see like uh, different geographies also reacting to like not wanting to wait in lines though their patient levels might be high it's very interesting and uh, you know i've been <coughs> we've been trying to uh, you know speak to uh, speak to you for, uh, for for some time but because of the covid situation you know things things are very different but how did covid impact sleek uh, you know uh, uh, i'm sure you know events all over the world physical events have been have been affected but um, but you know um, there, there've been a lot of way arounds lot of events have turned into into virtual space but but how how has how are you looking at sleek uh, you know looking at uh, a covid situation and how are you uh, optimizing this particular situation sure uh, so i would say like our our journey started uh, late last year uh, okay. we were going to solve this this problem of not wanting to wait in lines okay. uh, we believe like in future like uh, the way uh, everything is so much at our fingertips just being able to like walk on the road and and walk, step into a store and and getting the actual down to minute eta should should be uh, solvable or uh, should be solved and uh, when we set out with that vision we we raised funding i think in march uh, thanks thanks for being a part of our journey and uh, after covid like a uh, given covid hit uh, the lines the, the market has just exploded or they've increased exponentially given Six feet of distancing between each member in the line. Lines seemingly seem longer. Uh, there's lines now at grocery stores, farmers markets, or like uh, even every other convenience store in the U.S. And uh, the the situation has. I mean, what it was like, what we set out in the past, it was more of a vitamin. Like people don't enjoy waiting in lines, so like there's a solution. But now it's it's sort of like a safety concern and a necessity. so so that's that's definitely affected that and uh, we we now have customers that uh, we are serving and and are on the track to to making a couple of million dollars uh, this year in revenue so so things have been good uh, but yeah i mean uh, there are other industries that we could have targeted uh, like like uh, festivals or concerts or like sporting events and uh, we've, we've unfortunately not been able uh, been able to like uh, serve those industries just just given um, like how many of those industries are just cut off given covid so so that's that's also affected us and but but do you plan to uh, take on you know festivals and sporting events going forward for example uh, by the end of december hopefully if, you know this thing gets over Yeah, I mean, ah, uh, that's the plan. I think, ah, uh, in the interim, until like, ah, uh, so, so live events industry is is the industry that we thought would be the opening market or our first market that we target. Correct. Ah, uh, given that is like a very much of a need for them. There is like hundred thousand or sixty thousand people in a stadium watching a game for three hours, and then there is limited concessions they could go to. So those were our primary markets. But ah, uh, given COVID, we've uh, continued to build our product. uh helping out any businesses or essential businesses that are open during covid and helping them with not having a line in in front of their business got and uh, you know you uh, uh, a lot of your experience would have come from uh, you know working in in google play but do you have other competitors also in this space uh, or you know who also trying to solve, solve the same problem Ah uh, yes, I would say so. Ah, uh, like ah, uh, ah, uh, my experience. I mean, two different questions. Ah uh, yes, ah, uh, my experience comes primarily from Google Play. 
I was also a part of uh, the early team at Google Fiber, and uh, that that was an interesting journey in itself too. But uh, I would say like Google overall has been a good experience for me. Like mm-hmm. Google Fiber being part of an early team where things were pretty scrappy. I mean, it's it's not a startup given it's it's Google, but uh, yeah. I mean we had the resources of Google, but the team of a startup. In fact, like uh, one of the cities that I was working with, North Carolina, the the team when I joined was like two folks there. So uh, just just deploying Google Fiber to different cities uh, was was my uh, role as a PM, and. Uh, like uh, going from that to Google Play, which was a multi-billion dollar business and looking at everything from a point of growth or, or seeing how things could be improved by a percentage, like a single digit percentage was was the goal, uh, was the thing that I was trained in. And uh, startup, I mean, I would say like uh, it's it's been an interesting journey in itself. I think everything I feel like I've, I've learned for the first time. And uh, yeah, like uh, that, that was my experience with uh, Google. And uh, the second question coming to like the competitors in our space or, or uh, the problem that we're tackling, yeah. I would say order ahead has dominated a majority of the industry. And order ahead is simply like taking someone's order, passing it on to, to the back end. Like that essentially is, is what order ahead does. And uh, this fails, or in fact, like some of the customers that we've been talking to, uh, like one of the customers, they've received 500 orders in one minute after reopening their business after COVID, wow. uh, we, we target like uh, the popular SMBs or popular businesses in every industry. Uh, if you look at a city, there's, there's one or two different uh, popular bakeries or like popular restaurants, which always have a one or one hour of line or like people just lining up for their products. And uh, the thing is like, you can't increase your prices because uh, let's say at uh, 10 o'clock, there's hardly any crowd. Nobody is going to come and pay at those prices, but like at 12 p.m., the crowd must, uh, the lines must be outrageous. So uh, dynamic pricing sort of solves for that. And uh, order ahead is not a good solution because uh, they're taking hundreds of orders at the same time, passing it on to the kitchen. Even if you're staggering them, it doesn't really help because customers' expectations have to be set. That uh, your wait time is so-and-so. It's it's going to uh, like... Uh, we'll text you when the order is ready. But at this minute, like there have been so many orders that came in through. And uh, when people start paying with dynamic pricing, the bottleneck reduces. So our solution applies to that. And uh, the competitors in this space, I would say, I mean, Disneyland, given given the, the crowd it attracts every day or like the lines it has, uh, they have an in-house solution, FastPass. And uh, FastPass, which, which is like more of a flat subscription rate, uh, if, if like, let's say 10,000 wealthy people show up, all of them want to pay. And then, then there's a line uh, with, with people with FastPass. Uh, TSA checkout is another thing. Everyone has TSA pre-checkout now. And uh, the lines in those lines are actually like longer than uh, the regular lines. So, so that happens. So I would say like those are our competitors. And uh, we, uh, we have solved it with, with dynamic pricing. Very interesting. And, um, you know, I want to understand uh, about, you know, what are the, what are your unit economics or, or your ARR numbers that you were expecting uh, in 2020? Sure. So uh, our unit economics or like when we, uh, when we were testing out the product or when we were building our product, our MVP, uh, we started out in uh, Presidio Park in San Francisco. 
uh, that that was where we were uh, testing with like our scrappy solution of like uh, humans plus technology like helping us uh, do this and uh, there was this uh, place called hotbird which which had insane lines like even before the pop up restaurant uh, like opened uh, there were at least like uh, uh, 40 people waiting in the line and uh, just just to like uh, set the context uh, presidio park uh, picnic in the park was uh, like a sunday event in san francisco uh there's about like 5000 people who gather uh, there's like 20 different uh, food pop up venues that pop up there's yoga in the park there's like music it's it's a very san francisco thing so uh, we set out like uh, helping this uh, pop up venue and uh, when we first approached them about like oh like maybe you could pay us this much or like uh, we could charge your customers this much they weren't as interested and uh, when we talked about dynamic pricing or how there is an interesting way to monetize their lines uh, they they got very interested and that was because like uh, wanting to monetize their line or or they're aware of their their marketing with lines so they were like okay maybe let's have like a fast checkout lane and uh, customers can pay extra and and we could have two lines but uh, they were concerned about their reputation or, or how it would affect that okay. versus what what we have is uh, the dynamic pricing where nobody it's it's anonymized of like who's paying who's not you pay you order or you wait in the line and uh, you go pick up your uh, like item so so that's what we've done and uh, in one hour they made 600 dollars and that was because the uh, people who previously were to pay 13 dollars per an item were willing to pay almost on the average of 5 dollars extra to avoid that wait line and uh, that's that's direct profit for them and uh, that that is the unit economics and and uh, what what are the sort of margins you're looking at uh, in in this particular you know scenario so our uh, like margins i mean uh, it's it's essentially like uh, adding their profits it's not adding revenues to them and uh, we we take a percentage of the surge fee that customers pay and and that's our business model and uh, given its software there's there's nothing else uh, which we are providing the cost is pretty low uh, but uh, again like uh, depending on our technology or like uh, what we've built is uh, we are solving this with ai and deep learning uh, deep learning to gather and sync as much data as we could get uh depending on like what time of the weather it is like can this person walk 50 feet uh get a service elsewhere that that they don't have to pay the dynamic fee for or like how many orders are ahead we also optimize the queue which which like if five people are ordering the same thing batch them together and instead of the queue being first come first serve it's it's more of an intelligent queue so the technology that we we've, we've developed i mean uh, we uh, i mean uh, a patent is pending on that but um that i would say is the core and uh, in terms of like our margins and such like our margins to the business like it's it's essentially like at 99% margins to them because wow. they're, they're not losing anything okay. uh, and and they're just uh, like uh, being able to like add more dollars to their profit margin correct and you know i want to understand what are your cust- uh, you know customer acquisition channels i i believe you 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 done a, a big b2b partnership recently but you know what are the you know different marketing acquisition channels that you're looking at sure so i would say like uh, our biggest challenge so far is defining our market and uh, why i say that is because lines in itself is not a market 
Uh, lines could be in different slivers of the industry. Like, uh, could be at a popular bakery, could be at a concert, could be at a game, could even be at a DMV. And uh, these are all the different markets that we are targeting. So, so there is like a sliver in every different market. And uh, pre-COVID, uh, we were to target live events, or we thought like that would be the first industry that we could uh, go after and then expand from there. But uh, because of COVID and, and given that industry is, is like off the charts or off the limits, uh, we've uh, like uh, looked into SMBs, groceries, or like uh, even like uh, small medium businesses to, to like uh, help them uh, get on ground or get, on, get digital in, in this post-COVID world. So uh, that, that has been the strategy. So I would say like uh, we've been looking at any customers that is uh, willing to work with us. In fact, recently, like uh, a volunteer at San Francisco County reached out uh, wanting to see if this could be applied at that, uh, like uh, for the lines for COVID testing are insanely long. And uh, they, they wanted to see like if there was a better way they could manage the lines. Of course, there wouldn't be dynamic pricing, but, but just getting people uh, an understanding of like what the wait times are and then to set expectations, right? And um, uh, uh, you know, uh, as I understand, uh, a customer doesn't need to download the app. But you know, what are the what are the growth strategies that you've done uh, for 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 users and consumers to you know to use your your product? Sure. So I mean, uh, like uh, some of, like our uh, marketing of of how we market things is essentially it's co-marketing with the event organizer or with the business themselves. So uh, we would uh, have like uh, on-site marketing uh, in terms of like large posters or attractive signs that uh, that would catch customers' eyes. Uh, in the past, when, when we were working with different festivals and so, it was even like printing it out on the ticket or like uh, even like uh, as they are uh, checking in, like uh, that being a part of, of their ticketing app. So those were some of the strategies of how we were acquiring customers, but uh, being able to provide them with a discount or like bump them a couple of spots when, when they share this link with their friends who are also at, at this festival or, or at this event, like those have been some of the ways that uh, they've been acquiring customers. Very interesting. And uh, Spandana, one of the most interesting, uh, you know, uh, insights that I'm looking to into your particular uh, a product is that you've been able to raise really high quality, uh, I mean, funding for really high quality VC, especially, you know, Lightspeed, Venture Partners, and you also got into startups. Uh, you know, uh, uh, how much funding have you raised and, you know, what are you using the funding to, uh, to invest into your company? Are you looking to hire more people and where does the funding go? I would say like, uh, uh, I mean, uh, in terms of funding and how we are spending it, I think uh, me and, and my co-founder Gaurav, we're, right. we're both immigrants. And I think we try to stay frugal, as frugal as possible. In right. fact, uh, that, that's one thing I'm discovering about me. I think I'm, I'm not as, as frugal of a person uh, personally, but uh, when it comes to like uh, spending dollars uh, for the company, I think I've try to stay as lean as possible, wherever possible. It's like, okay, like I could do that. Like, uh, let's, let's just uh, do that. So, so we've tried to stay very uh, lean, I would say. And of the funding so far, I mean, uh, we, we have a team of like about 
four folks now, four uh, full-time folks, right. and uh, two part-time, and then like I mean uh, these are interns, not part-time, but uh, that's our team, and uh, the team is relatively small, I would say, for for what we are trying to achieve. And uh, uh, the funding, as I mentioned, I did we did raise from Lightspeed Ventures, Bam Ventures, which which has uh, like uh, uh, LPs from the entertainment industry and the sports industry, mm-hmm. uh, and like Forso Partners, which which has been uh, pretty good in like introductions and such. And uh, like uh, in terms of how much we've spent so far, uh, it's it's been uh, more than six or seven months. But uh, we've we've spent uh, like about twenty percent, I would say, of of what we've raised, mm-hmm. and uh, we we raised a million dollars uh, back in March, mm-hmm. and uh, we we plan to uh, raise soon. But but there are some traction metrics that I want to hit, and okay. uh, we'll then raise again. Got it. And uh, you know, I quickly want to do the top three. Uh, what's your favorite business book? Sure. Uh, business book, I would say, uh, I mean, uh, my all time favorite book is perhaps Sapiens, but, but that's, that's not about business, but more about Love history. Yeah. But um, I would say autobiography of, of different folks is, is something I enjoy. Uh, and uh, I think uh, the most recent one was Coco Chanel, uh, uh, like founder of Chanel company. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I think that that is probably Correct. And, you know, if you could go back in time when you started working on sleep, what is the one thing you would have focused on or done anything differently? I know it's been a, a short journey for you, but anything differently you would have done? I would say, uh, like, uh, like uh, the different things which, which actually clicked for us. I mean, one thing which uh, perhaps was unusual for us was uh, uh, Peter was actually someone I reached out to on LinkedIn cold. And, uh, and then he invested and uh, not just Peter, I think like there were a few other investors that I'd reached out cold on LinkedIn, which, which converted. And uh, that, that usually is not the case. I mean, I've actually gotten response from like most cold emails to investors that I've written. And uh, the reason I would say like uh, was, was not because like uh, my cold email strategy worked, but I think we hit all the points on, on the pitch deck that uh, we were to hit. Which was we were we were already backed by Lightspeed or Lightspeed was uh, was a check in. Uh, we had built an MVP. We had unit economics of like uh, oh we made six hundred dollars in one hour and uh, this is with with one uh, like pop up restaurant hotbird. There's lines everywhere and what the market would be. So clearly defining everything was uh, the reason why things worked. And then we had a great team too of like uh, myself and Gaurav. So. Uh, like uh, these different things of like tying all of that together and telling the story well, uh, that that was not from day one. Uh, day one of like how I set out to pitch or how I was thinking about uh, like like the different things I was doing. I don't think that clarity was from day one. And I would say the biggest thing which actually helped me do that was talk to different entrepreneurs or folks that I took inspiration from. Uh, just just get coffee with them or just chat about like how I'm approaching this and get the candid feedback. I think that that really helped. And uh, if I could do something sooner, I would say like instead of just just running in every other direction and thinking like why this is not working or why does this not make sense, I probably should have like uh, uh, taken that feedback from from someone uh, early on. Right. But, but I, I love your hustle that you've done, you know, reaching out to, uh, to investors. Uh, and do you have any favorite online tool, for example, Gmail, Slack, Zoom? Uh, 
I would say like uh, of late, uh, I mean, uh, of, of the different tools, apparently like uh, communication is, is what I use the max. And uh, I think uh, Google Hangouts or Gmail probably is, is what it is. Correct. And uh, what are the best way people can reach out to you and know more about Sleek? Uh, best way would be like, uh, just, just reach out to me on LinkedIn. As I mentioned, I'm, I'm, I send cold messages, cold uh, introductions on uh, uh, LinkedIn. So Thanks. yeah, uh, sending me a message on LinkedIn is probably the way to go. Correct. Uh, Spandana, thank you so much for, for coming onto the show and allowing me to be a small part in, in, in your journey. It was a pleasure speaking to you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we teach you how to start and grow your online business. For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com.